It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. In the last episode, I showed that Sir Fred Hoyle calculated the probability of life's arising from non-living matter to be 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. That actually implies that spontaneous generation of life does not occur. Rather than denying God's existence, as Richard Dawkins implies, Hoyle's argument actually denies one of evolution's foundational tenets, In baseball parlance, Hoyle's argument is strike one against Dawkins' Boeing 747 gambit. Astronomer Lee Smolin shows the probability of randomly adjusting the values of fundamental physical constants that would result in a universe with stars and planets and life is 1 in 10 to the 229th power. Stephen Hawking estimates that if the expansion of the universe was altered by one part in 10 to the 17th power, one second after the Big Bang, the universe would have either collapsed back on itself or never developed galaxies. The number that Sir Roger Penrose calculated, 10 to the 10 to the 101st power, divided by 10 to the 10 to the 123rd power, is basically 1 in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd power. Since the smaller exponential number represents such a small percentage of the larger exponential number, that represents how rare life-friendly conditions are in terms of the total number of possible configurations that could have existed at the beginning of the universe. It also provides a quantitative measurement of an incredibly improbable initial fine-tuning arrangement of mass energy in the initial conditions of the universe. Today, I want to discuss Douglas Axe's number. Axe determines that the DNA base sequences capable of making the complex three-dimensional structures called protean folds are extremely rare among the vast number of possible sequences. Axe determined that for every one DNA sequence that generates a short functional protein fold of just 150 amino acids in length, there are 10 to the 77th power non-functional combinations. And during the 3.85 billion year history of life, biologists estimate that 10 to the 40th power individual organisms have lived on Earth. That means that at best, about 10 to the 40th power 
such opportunities to mutate a gene that might ultimately produce a new protein fold could have occurred. Yet 10 to the 40th power represents only a tiny fraction of 10 to the 77th power, the number of non-functional sequences corresponding to each protein fold of modest length. Indeed, the fraction 10 to the 40th over 10 to the 77th power equals 1 over 10 to the 37th power. This means that for even one relatively modest-sized protein fold to arise, the mechanism of random mutation and natural selection would have time to search just a tiny fraction of the total number of relevant sequences. In other words, the size of the relevant spaces that need to be searched by evolutionary processes dwarfs the time available for searching. Even taking into consideration life's 3.85 billion year history, it follows that the mechanism of random mutation and natural selection has not had enough time to generate or search but a minuscule fraction. In fact, 1 over 10 to the 37th power of the possible nucleotide base or amino acid sequences corresponding to a single protein fold. For more details about Douglas Axe's number, see the book Return of the God Hypothesis by Stephen C. Meyer on pages 202 to 207. So these four numbers from Smolin, Hawking, Penrose, and Axe combine to produce strike two against Dawkins' Boeing 747 gambit. Moreover, these four numbers plus Hoyle's number produce a significant challenge to the core tenets of evolution. If the five tenets are spontaneous generation of life, random mutation, natural selection, time, and genetics slash heredity form the core of evolution, then the five numbers I have listed cast doubt on four of the five basic core tenets of evolution. Evolution, random mutations, and natural selection does do something for sure. But the real issue is, does evolution support the weight put on it to explain everything? I am a skeptic. To me, evolution is a scientific theory that is derived from philosophy and the naturalistic worldview rather than from scientific evidence. Now let's turn our attention to Dawkins' central argument. It appears on pages 157 to 158 of The God Delusion. If that argument fails, as I intend to show, then the heart of Dawkins' book is precariously resting on thin ice, and we have secured strike three against Dawkins' Bowen 747 gambit. I list the six statements prior to his conclusion. After each statement, Dawkins also makes additional comments about statements two through six. 
If you can, you might want to take notes. Or you can find these statements in The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, in the article Dawkins' Delusion in the book Contending with Christianity's Critics, edited by Paul Copan and William Lane Craig, or the same article in True Reason, edited by Tom Gilson and Carson Whitenauer. Frank Turek gives a summary of each of the six points in his book, Stealing from God, page 48. Dawkins' Statement 1. One of the greatest challenges to human intellect is to explain how the complex, improbable appearance of design arises. Side note, Dawkins has said elsewhere, biology is the study of complicated things that have the appearance of having been designed with purpose. Statement two. A natural temptation is to attribute the appearance of design to actual design itself. Then Dawkins adds, in the case of man-made artifacts such as a watch, the designer really was an intelligent engineer. It is tempting to apply the same logic to an eye or a wing, a spider, or a person. Side note, so far as I know, Dawkins never gives us a criterion to distinguish appearance of design from actual design. So how can we tell if something is or is not design? Third statement. This temptation is a false one because the designer hypothesis immediately raises a larger problem of who designed the designer. Then Dawkins adds, the whole problem we started with was the problem of explaining statistical improbability. It is obviously no solution to postulate something more improbable. We need a crane, not a skyhook. For only a crane can do the business of working up gradually, implausibly, from simplicity to otherwise improbable complexity. I think Dawkins uses the word crane to mean explanation, and perhaps to evolutionary explanation. He uses skyhook as a disparaging reference to God. The question, who designed the designer, I have said in a previous episode that this is, a, is just silly logic. A typical default defense of the atheist on the same intellectual level of asking, who is the bachelor's wife or who is buried in U.S. Grant's grave? Is there alleged trump card? No matter how much the evidence points to theism, if you say God must have done it, then the atheists can counter with, who made God? This is their no God of the gaps argument. But when they do this, they show their ignorance of causality and the real nature of God. 
They are thinking that the God of the Bible is a humanly created, designed, Zeus-like idol, and heaven is a figment of the monotheist imagination. But the atheists have it all wrong. God is the uncaused first cause of the universe, the first undesigned designer of the universe. Since time, space, matter, and energy came into being with the universe, God is timeless or eternal, spaceless or omnipresent, immaterial or spirit. If he is timeless, did he have a beginning? Of course not. Therefore, one reason God had no cause is because he is the first cause. And one reason he had no designer is because he is the first designer. Dawkins Statement 4 The most ingenious and powerful crane is Darwinian evolution by natural selection. <laughs> Darwin and his successors have shown how living creatures with their spectacular statistical improbability and appearance of design have evolved by slow, gradual degrees from simple beginnings. We can now safely say that the illusion of design in living creatures is just that, an illusion. Side note, explanation of what? I assume Dawkins means the appearance of design that is not really design, pseudo-design in other words. Dawkins offers no evidence how Darwinian evolution distinguishes pseudo-design from actual design. Dawkins says he can safely say that design is an illusion, but he offers no evidence to support his claim. Dawkins' favorite answer for explaining anything is natural selection. He claims that natural selection is the champion explanation of all time. On page 117, Dawkins says, Perhaps you need to be steeped in natural selection, immersed in it, swim about in it before you can truly appreciate its power. On page 118, he says, uh, Natural selection shatters the illusion of design within the domain of biology and teaches us to be suspicious of any kind of design hypothesis in physics and cosmology as well. But natural selection was not there at the beginning of the universe. It depends on life and reproduction of offsprings of living beings before it can even get started. The age of the universe is 13.7 billion years the age of the Earth is 4.6 billion years, and life on Earth is 3.85 billion years old. So there would be almost 10 billion years before natural selection could start on Earth. So almost 72% of the history of the universe happened that natural selection simply could not act its part of the theatric play of life on Earth. 
because it was not even on the stage yet. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.